Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, when we think about stories for ourselves, um, you know, I my legacy, many when I was younger, for sure, I didn't think that I was worthy of a legacy. I didn't think that people wanted to hear. And now that we have, you know, hundreds and thousands of views and just literally thousands and thousands of people that I've spoken to over the last nearly 30 years in this business, it is humbling, but also honoring to be able in some way to be a contribution to people's lives. And, you know, it's interesting, we think when people get there, you know, such as the Bill Gates or Michael Dell, I mean, all of us have a story, all of us have a time when we wondered, you know, do I really, can I really make a difference? And my encouragement here is that if I can, then you can. Well, today's interview with my guest, Rob Lucy, really talks about one's legacy. I mean, for many, many shows, one of the things, the heart here at CRG is to provide you tools, resources, systems, information that helps you to live your life on purpose. And purpose will leave legacy. So the question I have for you before we get into this interview with Rob, who's written a book on legacy, is what is your legacy going to be? And think about the legacy isn't just money. Legacy is not your estate. Legacy is your personhood, is what your contribution. And as we talk about in this interview, as you get to know yourself better, as you get clearer about your values, your purpose, your personal style, your talents, your gifts, then you can have the highest level of contribution. But interesting, it's not just contribution, meaning goes up for you at the same time. So not that it's self-centered, but it's actually self-fulfillment and self-honoring, and you can then give at your highest level. I mean, I'm not a musician. My son is. So me trying to contribute by being on a band is a disaster. But doing these podcasts is another story. Communicating, encouraging you, helping um, individuals to realize their potential. That is our purpose. And everything that we do around us is hopefully contributing to that legacy. Hopefully, as you listen to uh, this interview, you will be inspired to be able to not only document your story, but to create your story. Well, each week we'd like to share with you insights, experts, content, information that's going to transform your life in some way or another. And today is no exception. I have the pleasure of, I had the pleasure actually of meeting our guest in person in Philadelphia. We both belong to a program called Quantum Leap, which is really experts and authors where we come together as colleagues and learn how we can get our transformational information into the marketplace, as well as just hanging out with fellow authors. So I just want everybody here to welcome our guest, Rob Lucy, to the show today. Rob, thanks for being with us. Hi, Ken. Delighted to be here. Now, Rob, your background is really in journalism and having expertise there, but you moved away from that into writing your your book, How Will I Be Remembered? And we'll come to that in a minute. But what I always like to do in the beginning of the show is just say, Rob, what's your journey? Where, you know, where, did, where was Rob born? Where did he go? And what brought you to this point in your life? Oh, boy, there's a big question. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Canadian kid. Uh, yep, played hockey every Saturday morning at 30 below. And, um, yeah, my first uh, career was in journalism as a radio producer, so I, I learned storytelling by some of the best in the world. Then I moved uh, on to production of, um, of mixed media, we'll call it. That is video and film and inter interactive media, that sort of thing for, for all kinds of clients. 
and then produce them educational materials that are in most every elementary classroom in the continent, the U.S. and Canada, and then um, moved on for, to... Uh, um, what was the content of that educational material? What was the focus It was to that? help elementary teachers get their kids active and, and uh, exercising in the classroom. They were DVD video material that they you know, mm. put on the whiteboard or on the TV, and so the kids would get up and they'd be doing five and ten minute... Um, exercise things then they can be student-led which is great for you know the younger kids so you know you could you could be the leader today and i would be the leader tomorrow so it gives us a little bit of responsibility but it also um for the elementary teachers that uh as you if anybody's ever taught before who's listening you know that that pent-up energy in the classroom can get a little out of hand so what we what this did was was spend all the energy of the kids they'd have big smiles on their faces and they'd sit back down puffing and puffing and be able to now concentrate on their work. So it was nice to see that, that value and, um, and uh, hundreds of thousands of teachers around the, 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 the continent know that um, it works. It's a, it's a way to get the kids back focusing on, on their scholastic work rather than just being little energy balls that were not focused on anything. Well, all the research supports that, so thanks, Rob, for that. So sorry to interrupt. So your flow was from That's there. Right. Yeah, so then from journalism to production to in, uh, corporate and museums around the world, then this educational stuff. And then um, I was flying one day, and I, had, I, I, I really enjoyed writing. And I, well, I, but the other thing I was doing was um, I was doing an awful lot of nonprofit development work. I was lucky in being involved right at the very start of a, an international charity, and, um, and then I did a lot of work with um, uh, quite a number of charities and helping them grow which I enjoyed, and I wasn't, and it's not because I was the, a savior or a saint, it's because I wanted to hang out with good people, and good people collect to do good things. Um, so that was, and that, that still continues. Forty years later, I'm still doing that kind of work, and uh, as I say, I'm doing it because I'm selfish. I want to hang out with those people, and my mm-hmm. best friends come from those areas too. And with, so with that background, then I was... Um, flying one day, I was uh, flying across the country, and I was going to receive a $10,000 check for the work I'd done for this one charity, and uh, I wasn't going to keep it. Of course, it was going to the charity's coffers, but um, it'd be a nice way to make a presentation in front of 800 people at a dinner and um, tell them about what we were doing. I sat beside a guy on the plane, and he said, what are you doing? And I told him this story, and then we chatted on, and then somehow it moved over to, I had just completed a book with my father on his war experiences. We traveled over to Europe, uh, on D, uh, just uh, after D-Day, 50 years later. And um, we went through his whole tour through Europe, and I had done a lot of research about where he'd been and where good things happened and bad things happened. And um, then we later, a few years later, developed it into a book. So I told this fellow sitting on the plane beside me about that. And then some of the charity work, uh, other charity work I've done, he said to me, you've got quite a legacy. And I, it kind of struck me because I didn't think I'd ever have a legacy because mm. my wife and I couldn't have kids. And I mm. thought legacy was just about sending the money and the stuff down the line to the kids. And so sitting on the plane, I thought, I just don't think I can have a legacy. So then I took that away and began to think about it and do a bunch of research and so spin forward to the, the book. The book is, is called How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. And it really is not about, about sending stuff to... It's not about sending stuff to the kids. Legacies are not that. Legacies are, um, are, are, are something totally different. They, the definition of legacy I've got is that uh, it, 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 legacies connect you to others. Legacies enhance your lives now and enhance the lives of all that are around you. And you can enjoy that for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You don't have to wait till you're dead. You don't have to wait to find out from your, your eulogist what your legacies are. No, they can, you can build them now from tiny to large that connect you to others, that enhance all your lives, and that affect others. Yes, when you finally nod off, finally, those legacies will continue and you can have a big smile on your face as you say goodbye. Because you know your legacies are going to continue to affect others in a positive way. So what I really wanted to do is, after, from the storytelling and the writing, and it was, it was produce a good book that, that says to people that don't just wait to see what your legacies are. Go out and start creating them and really enjoying them because they'll, they'll be an abundance in your life. They'll provide happiness for you. They'll provide new connections and new people. And you'll have a darn lot of fun creating them when you know how 
really simple they are. We'll come to those strategies that you have in your book here in a moment, uh, Rob. But let's just back up one point. And so what was, it, what was the journey you went on to actually bite off and say, I need to write a book about this? Where did that, you know, did the epiphany happen on the airplane? Or what, I mean, from thinking about it to creating a book, what was that journey for you, the story there about doing this? Yeah, it was well, most writers will tell you it wasn't easy. It was um, because when you're writing a book, and I looked at this book and said, if, I can, if I'm going to tell people what legacies are and how to create them, that's just a notch away from what is life and why are we here. And I don't know if I'm quite capable of answering that one just yet. Um, but after the conversation on the plane, I did start doing some research and talked to um, all sorts of people from positive psychologists to finance people to um, story producers and it just it started to gel that we should make this just a lot more fun than than waiting to find out in your obituary what the heck you did with your life. I want to know that now. I want to enjoy it now. And I was that's where I got a little mad, saying, "Why are we thinking that way when when we can learn how to produce our legacies and and, and they give all these um, all these benefits?" And the research was starting to to dig that up. And the benefits were, as I say, the connection to others and the happiness and and the fulfillment of using your own um, signature strengths, your skills and talents. So I kind of got a little mad and said, no, I'm going to write this thing. But then you start writing. And this is, this is where write writers, you, you know this, Ken. When writers, can't you say, how am I going to do this? And so it took about seven years to get it done. And wow. um, I'm, pleased with, I'm pleased with the result. And, and people around the world are liking it too. And I'm getting great comments. So. That's good. So I think the thinking was proper. Could it, could it be different? Sure, a little bit. Maybe there'll be another version coming up. But right now it's providing a lot of good for people, and I'm getting a lot of great feedback for it. And, um, and it, was a tough, it was a tough one. I tell you, the concept of legacy, I think people listening now, you could think of legacy and think, oh, that's money and death. And that is, I think, the default position that most people think when they hear the mm-hmm. word legacy. And I wanted well, let's, to let's just, shake that Now, away. I want to come into the strategies here in a second, but I want to just back up one point. And, you know, for our listeners all around the world, and we thank you again for joining us, is what are some of the reasons that people really don't embrace a legacy or consider it? So what are the hindrances? I think you've mentioned a couple, you know, our mindset around it, Rob. But what did you find or discover were the roadblocks for people really even considering this concept of not leaving a legacy, but living a legacy. I think just because people might think they're not, they don't have the, the goods. They are not most, because most things, most people we hear about in legacies are famous people or rich people, people that have, um, can, can take, can bite off what they want to because they have the resources to do it. And a lot of people think, well, I, I don't have that, and I don't have the skills to create legacies. Well, you do. And I don't have the, the time, and I'll, or, or maybe I'll get to it later. But I'm busy leading life. I think the, the, the most important thing is I'm busy leading life. I've got the kids. I've got the job. We've got the holiday coming up. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'm, only, I'm young. I can, I can get to it later. Well, the unfortunate thing is some of us don't get to later. Some of us don't stay young forever. And, um, and, and if we don't, and how many of us have gone to a, 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 a celebration of life, a funeral, and said, boy, oh boy, I wish I got his story, but it's gone. And that story is a big part of legacy. And so uh, what, what stops people, I think, is just feeling a little undervalued that maybe I just don't, I don't have all the goods. I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'll, but if I do think about what I'm doing in my life, I'll think about it later because right now I'm just really busy. And, I, and I, the, my research and, and writing really emphasize the fact that even while you're on that busy track with a family and with things to do, um, legacy creation just makes that living just a heck of a lot more fulfilling and, um, and really not tough to break into either. So part of what could occur is even sort of a self-worth. Am I worthy of a legacy? Do I have the capabilities? And then even a mindset, what you're saying is uh, it might be just too hard to even do. So it might be. Let, let's go into your book, Rob, on that. Is, 
then how do I overcome these? And then what, what would be the first steps, the steps that the listeners could take to either confirm that they're already doing a legacy or to embrace one or to go forward? What, what do I need to do? What do I need to consider? Well, I think just first know that you have, you have some, your life has value. Your life has value for you and all those around you who love you and want you to continue on. You have a story. You are producing good things. You may not know it, and they may be small, but you are doing it. So the first, I think the first, uh, it's a great question. The, the, the first question to ask yourself is, do I want to recognize myself and, this, and, the, and the life I'm leading? And do I want to help others with anything I can do that my signature strengths and, uh, and talents and skills will, will help them have a more enjoyable and enviable life? So the first thing to do is just, I think, understand that or, or, or believe that my life has some value and, and I'd like to take advantage of it. And I'd like to take advantage of it for me to be more happy and connected to other people. And I want to take advantage of it to give to those people so that their lives are enhanced. So one of the first things we do is, is um, I give people a list of about 500 values. And this is something I'm sure you're very aware of in your work. It, it takes, not many people look at a list of values and say, gee, I wonder how I'm running my life. I'm wondering what, what values are behind the scenes making decisions for me that I don't even know, but they, they're there. They're the internal combustion engine of me the spirit and the life and the, and the person out in the street. They're the ones that are making, helping me make decisions, but I don't even know that sometimes. So looking at a list of 500 values and boiling them down to five, that could take a little while, but I, I did that. Wow. And, and it really was, um, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a, a little bit of tough work, but I got it down, I actually got them down to about 20, then boiled it to 10 and boiled it to five. Once so I Rob, let me put you on the spot. What are a couple of your top values? Oh, Oh, I thought you might ask me that. Well, <laughs> mine are um, oh, gee, ethical. I'm, I, I want to be. I want to be ethical. I want to be truthful. Mm. The other ones are joy. The other ones are giving. The other ones are health. A few of those. Those are. Those are a few of them. And um, great. And I can. Um, when we get to it, I can tell you a story about how I how I uh, examined those and how I told the story of those. But uh, um, integrity is a big one for me, and connection is another one. Wisdom, creativity, and joy. So those, so I would say those are the five. And I move them around because um, let me tell you about the, the health was number one for a while. I found out I had um, I had cancer, so I moved health up to number one and did everything to beat it, and I beat it. So now, mm. and now health is down to number six. Integrity still stays at number one. Connection at number two. Um, wisdom three. Creativity four. Joy five. So once I boiled it down from 500 to 20 to 10 to five um, values, I knew kind of what my internal combustion engine was. I knew what drove me. And um, that, was a, that was the first step, and that was, it took a little bit of time. Not really a lot, but it, it was, uh, and it was joy. When I, when I got them, I looked at them and said, damn it, that is me. I feel good about, I feel about, uh, good about looking at those. I know so that So when we think um, about it in, in your work, and we, we have a values assessment in our work, so we believe in this 100%. Um, in your experience, Rob, what is the benefit to individuals of clarifying their values? What, what, well, I can tell you, and one of by doing this work. Yeah, the one I can tell you the feeling I had, and I've had this reflected by uh, all kinds of folks we, we're now talking to. Once I got them, once I knew what they were, one of the first legacies is called a, a, a legacy letter, or a, it's sometimes called an ethical will, but I call it a legacy letter. It was, a, it was um, the, the guru of legacy letters, a fellow named Dr. Barry Baines. He's out of Minneapolis. And... Um, and he and I had the same experience, and that is once we boiled it down to what our values were, values are, we then wrote for each value. Say I would write for integrity. I would write, why is that important for me? And here's a story that shows how it's in my life. 
And I'm writing these down because I want to know what I think. And secondly, I want my family to know if I'm hit by a herd of water buffalo when I walk out of here, I want my family to know what my values were and how I lived them. And I'll bet you my family doesn't know these. I can almost assure because it's not a kind of conversation that you have that often. And right. so the, the feeling that came from them when I wrote for each of my five values, and Ken's would be different, and, and anybody else listening to us now, they'll be different. By writing why, why this value is important and how I lived it, I remember writing it and putting it in a drawer, and I felt absolutely relieved. I felt drained and happy because now it's there. I can disappear off the planet, and my, my family will know exactly kind of what made me tick and with the stories that go along with it. So that was, uh, that was anything. And, and as I say, Dr. Baines, who um, is, is the guru of this, he said he had the very same experience. And um, anybody who does it, I would say read this and, and know how to get it done. I think they'll they'll enjoy the same the same feeling and the same value that uh, you know this this is who I am and, and I go in and change it. This legacy letter, which is the first stage of legacy building, is not a um, it's not a, a tough one to write. It's a joyful one to write, and it changes. I go in every, about every six months and I have a look at it and say, hmm, is that me? I might amend the stories. I might come up with a better story to say this will this will talk about my value of wisdom a little bit better than the story I've got there. And then I'll add other things, too, in this letter. This letter called the Legacy Letter is uh, describes your values, but I can also put in all kinds of other stuff, like you know, love I want to express or forgiveness I want to give or, or I'll ask for forgiveness from others. I'll put all kinds of... There's no rules as to what goes in there. It's really about you. But the, every time I uh, open it up and, and add something to it and then seal it and put it in the drawer, and my wife knows where it is. We know exactly what drawer it is. Um, I feel just as, as joyful and, and airy and um, flying a little bit because it's there. That is me. It's in that drawer. And that's, that's the a simple form of legacy, but it's also the joy of just knowing who you are and, and that others are, are going to remember you. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then in this letter, which, and you know, this doesn't have to be a letter. It could be a video. It could be an audio. It could be any kind of media you want. The idea of legacy, of course, is that it's going to affect those who are in our descendants in the future. So when my great, 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 great grandson 300 years from now reads it, says, holy smokes, that's, um, that's him and his blood flows in us. And so it's good for them to know two or 300 years. That's, I think that's the smile on my face. And anybody who does one, they, you kind of know that. Well, they're going to know. They're going to learn about um, um, Dr. Ken. You know, back there in 2017, wow, that, that was him. That was our great, 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 great grandpa. And it, that's, it's a, so the same, feel, uh, the, the same joy of putting it in the drawer comes from a bit, bit of a wry smile on your face saying, 200 years from now, they're going to learn about me. Well, it's interesting, Rob, because one of the things, you know, in our research, too, just to confirm everything you're doing, there's all kinds of research studies that talk about stress goes down, fulfillment goes up, uh, willpower increases, persistence increases because I know who I am versus being in this confusion. So that's just affirmation of all the work that you're doing there. So when so you think research, about this, I, go ahead, Rob. This research, refer, you're talking about refer, so that the examination of your values and how you're living provides all the benefits you just spoke about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's several that are out there that just kind of confirm that. I can always share that uh, with you at, a, at another time. So the um, and the I want to say just so before Ken, I didn't approach this from as I did not study this area. This was just my my experience as a person living and and living busy, and and but it just all came to me that these were the values and this is the feeling I get. So. I'm glad to hear the scientific guys are backing it up because um, we're coming at it from two angles. One, a layman like me, and then two, the people who really know what they're talking about. Well, one of the things, Rob, that you are alluding to is that a lot of times we have intuition that is very grounded and centered. It makes sense. It's common sense. And a lot of times people just overcomplicate the whole thing. When yeah. you figure it out, says, you know, when I know that I know that I know, 
there's a certain peace and confidence that comes out of that. And uh, the process of clarifying those values and listing those, you know, that's a very, very powerful process. So now I've created my legacy letter. What is, what is sort of the next steps that you recommend for us to really, uh, you know, what you're talking about is a purposeful and meaningful life with this famous word intentionality. So what is it that you have me do after that? Well, I, I, to keep it simple, I've broken the, the building of legacies into three areas. Now, we, we do talk about legacy and time and happiness and ego. I mean, you know, some people say, well, I'd want to, you know, do something because people think it's all about ego. No. We talk about legacy and religion and sex and money and um, all kinds of things. But the first one, yes, we discussed here called the legacy letter. And that's, um, um, it's, it, as I say, the, the benefits of it was the joy of putting it in, in the drawer for me and knowing that uh, 200 years from now, there's a, I remember there's a quote by Pericles, who I think was a, he was a big guy in Athens back in the general age. And he said uh, something like, when you leave behind, uh, what you leave behind is not what's engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. And that's kind of the theme through all of this, what we are weaving of, uh, uh, of ourselves and others and how they are, are doing it for themselves too. But anyways, after doing the first, the first one, the legacy letter, which I recommend everyone here who's listening do, even if you're, as you're listening to us, just if you think you're, you're living, there's one value in your life, jot it down right now. Just get it started. And that just one word legacy may, um, the, the one word that, you, that is your legacy may be the start of your legacy letter. So the second thing we do is, or I recommend anyway, is once you've got your own internal combustion components done, all those values and the stories that come with them, now what about others? This is the, the part that um, on that airplane ride, when I showed this fellow beside me who has become a dear friend in the interim, I showed him a book I just launched with my father. Now, my father was in World War II. He, had, um, he wasn't a storyteller, and of course, I, and like most vets, they weren't. And, but as a pesky uh, journalist, I started interviewing him in audio oh, about 40 years ago, 30 years ago, I think. And then finally, when D, the 50th anniversary of D-Day happened, I took him over to the beaches where he landed and we did his whole tour, and then, as I mentioned, we um, developed it into a book. I did that because I didn't want his story to disappear. Mm. I, I knew that it would be horrible, and I, he didn't talk about it because they went through some awful damn stuff. And, um, and, and I got to some of that, and, and it, was, it was great to hear. It was tough for Dad to get through, but um, uh, so I got his story, and we launched it, and we in front of about 500 people and he was dad died um at uh, the age of 96 about uh, oh boy about seven years ago and he had he had his caretaker when we weren't there read from his book every day he he really and really enjoyed it and we loved it too we continue to give it away so i collected the story of someone who was really important to me because i didn't want that story to disappear Every one of every one of us, everybody listening, has somebody close to them whose story I think you don't probably want to disappear. But we haven't got. We think that they're hard to collect, and I think I think there's some reasons that we don't we don't go out and collect. Like, um, why hasn't Ken gone and got the story of of Grandpa, or why hasn't somebody listening gone to get the story of weird old weird old Uncle Harry, who's a great yeah. old guy. And I think here, some of the excuses are that we don't think we have the time, that we don't think we have the time to do it properly. And let me tell you a quick story here. I was on a ship going around the, um, the um, going through the Panama Canal. And we were standing at the rail watching uh, those hot jungles go by, and I stood beside a guy and just started chatting away. And it ended up he was a merchant marine, an American merchant marine, and he had, marine, and he had some great stories about crossing the Atlantic back in... Um, in 43, 44. Great stories. And I said, has anybody, have you, have you got kids? He said, yeah, he's got five kids. Do they know these stories? No. So this is a member time. I went down, I always carry a little tape recorder. I went down to the room and got it and came back up and we chatted for about an hour and got some great stories. I pulled the little chip out of the tape recorder and gave it to him and said, give this to your kids and, and then tell me what they do after. 
So we took an hour. That's it, just an hour. And he gave the chip to the kids. And I've heard over the course of the last couple of years that um, they're well into doing his story and doing mom's story and doing grandma's story. So the, the catalyst of this one hour I spent with dad was enough to get them doing the whole family. So it doesn't take a lot of time. If you've got somebody whose story you don't want to disappear, spend half an hour with them. Just get, the, just get it going. And um, you'll, the value and the joy of, of, for the person who's telling their story, somebody finally asking them, and for you to hear the new stories is quite something. So that's time. Well, nowadays, we Rob, have to... there's no excuse. I mean, everybody has a smartphone pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. You turn on the voice recorder, you're there. You're done. Yeah. You, you, you're carrying it in your pocket as part of it. I want to yeah. back up one point here, Rob, and, and mm-hmm. not to lose your, your train of thought, but uh, you keep talking about story. Why is story so important? Oh, boy. What is, um, the, what is, what is it about story that's so powerful? Because we remember them, because we are, we are a collection of stories. Every one of us is a collection of stories. The stories live. The stories are memorable. The stories will be remembered by your, by your family and those that follow. And the stories are fun to listen to. And they don't have to, they're not all fun, but they're, they're, learn, they're full of learning. And they're full of the person whose story is, the, the person who's telling that story. There's a, a lady named um, Sue Monk Kidd. I don't know if you know Sue. And she's written a book called The Secret Life of Bees. And she said, stories have to be told or they die. And when they die... We can't remember who we are or why we were here. So I, I would, um, I, I've, I've taught story, and I'll get to this in a minute, if you like, but I, I've taught um, story in universities, and uh, from this book, they wanted me to teach from the book, and uh, usually I, I get a class in front of me of people that were 55-plus, smart people, great careers, and they don't know what story they've got to tell. Well, as soon as, as soon, there's, once they find one story, there's a, I'm going to give you an analogy. I used to live in the north, and in the north, the rivers freeze. And when they break, though, it is a monumental affair. So when they break in May, call it, or April, they usually break around about midnight or 2 in the morning because that's when all the water from the hills has come down and gone under the ice. And when they break, it is a kaboom, and the whole river explodes, and it's now shards of ice heading down. Why do I say that? When people find one story in their life and I help them out, they realize that their, their river breaks and now they've got 20 stories to tell because they now know that they've got the stories. And, they're all, and there's, it's a very emotional thing sometimes. I don't know which one to tell. My teaching is in the class, of course, is don't tell your whole life story. Let's do the tiny little one, that, you know, the one about your, bike, your red bike being stolen because that meant something to you way back then. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Stories are memorable. Stories are fun to tell. Stories are great for the listener and the teller. And, um, and, and we, we, if, we, if we tell the stories of those who are close to us, they will be remembered and we will be remembered along with them. So I, so I talked about we've time. Done that. What's our next step after that, Rob? Well, I want to I run through some of the, the reasons that people don't do it because I want people to, who are okay. listening to think about what, um, if this is an excuse they might be using to not go gather this story of someone whose story you don't want to disappear. So the time we talked about. Some people think they don't have the skills. I've been a journalist for 40 years. I, 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 I'm comfortable with asking questions, but I know here's one. I'll give somebody, everybody a little hint here. You don't have to be a journalist. You don't have to write all kinds of brilliant questions. One question will do it. And I'll tell you what it is. One question will get everything you need to know, and it'll It'll allow the storyteller to break out and tell what they want. And that question is, tell me about. Ken, tell me about your elementary school. That gives you the right to go anywhere you want with enthusiasm and detail. Tell me about is kind of a, tell me about colon, fill in the blank, gives the, the teller the, the ability to go anywhere they want. And then you can really, oh, your red bike was stolen. Tell me about that. Oh, that fellow was thrown in jail. Tell me about that. Tell me about gives you the right to, and to become a really good journalist. As a matter of fact, when you watch TV, um, except in the highly politicized situations, watch the, 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 a good interviewer is really 
using that question or derivatives of it. So there's the skills part. You don't have to be a journalist. Just remember, tell me about. Some people say they don't have a story. I, I kind of talked about that with the river. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you get one story going and they realize, holy smokes, that's a story. Well, if that's a story, I've got a lot more. And I've seen that happen over and over. Just, just have to get to, and how do you start, how do you get that first story out of somebody? Just simply a, a tell me about question. Well, tell me about your family. Oh, well, my dad, and then they start into it. And then all of a sudden the world opens up and you can get lots more stories from them and they can have the joy of telling them. Um, that's no, the people thinking, so we've got um, lack of time, lack of skills, no story. Technical, people say they're not technical. I think, you know, they want to create a Spielberg movie with their, by telling the story of someone. Not necessary. I'm a big fan of, of audio. I interview people in audio. I just put a little microphone on their lapel, and we just have a conversation. And technically, what's, what a digital technology allows us now is I can take that recorded interview, that little chip, put it into my computer, and whoop, it's words on the screen. I haven't had to type it out. I might go in and have to clean it up. But all of a sudden, I've got that two-hour interview in those 4,500 5,000, 10,000 words on my screen, and I can decide what to do with it then. I can use it in print. I can use the audio in a, in a video. I can use the audio just as an audio piece. So technically, the digital technology allows us to do uh, um, all kinds of things. And then well, the, the last, last 20 years have changed everything for us that way, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to say to people listening, to question yourself whether you're not using these dangerous excuses. Lack of time, lack of skills, lack of story lack of technical ability, they're all breaking down. It's all easy to use. The last one is no one will care, and that's really where the person who you're talking to may say, nobody will care about my story. My father thought that. Why would people care about an old guy's story about a war 50 years ago? Well, the place was packed, and we were full of tears. The family was, and Dad was beaming, and it, um, it opened up, I've, I've, because of that book, I've got countless friends who've done it now with their parents. So nobody will care. Well, they do care. And, um, and I think I would say to a, say if it was an older person, and this doesn't have to be the process with just an older person. It can be with real young, vibrant guys like you and I. I would, um, of you know, I, I don't <laughs> well, mind. What would you I, say? I mean, this is a good point, Rob. What would you say to somebody who is 20, 25 with this process? How would, how would they participate in the process? Yes. Is it any say, different all, or is it not different? It's the same. No, it's the same. I would say to him, I'd say to the 25-year-old, here's the most fun you'll have in your life. Get your legacy letter done. What is that? Explain how to do it. And then I would say that 25-year-old, I'll meet you here when you're 65, and let's see how that letter has evolved. Then number two, saying, is there anybody in your life whose story you don't want to disappear? And you've got the skills as a 25-year-old to go ask, tell me about. You've got those skills. Go do it. Go get mm. Grandma now while she's young. Go get Weird Uncle Charlie because he, you know, he broke his back in that accident, but he's got some great stories to tell. So it's the same for a young person or an old or an old person. And so your kids should be doing you. My nieces and nephews should be doing me. Well, should be. <laughs> they could. There's no there are, there's no age limit for this at all. Okay, great, None. great. So then you finished. Sorry, I interrupted there. You were talking about no one will care. No one will so care. That's we, the fifth one. We can one, overcome yes. that. Sometimes it's sort of false humility, uh, or just not sure that somebody would even want to hear it. What do I do with it after that? What's your next steps? Well, that, I'm going to tell you a quick story, but no one will care. I, I was going to say, I was asked by a large university. I'm in Vancouver, British Columbia. We have some big universities here, and I was asked by one of them to teach this course on storytelling, on building your story. And some people came in, and that, I've heard, I heard that a lot in the early, well, who's going to care about this? Spin forward through the whole course, and then we have every, every one of them has built a five to seven minute video about a story in their life. They've learned to, what a story is, how to write it, how to produce it, how to put visuals to it and music and the whole thing. They, and it, it is a remarkable change in them. To the question about nobody will care, then we, I say to them on the last day of the course, I want you to ask your family and friends who wants to come and see your story. Well, the place is 
packed, packed, and it's full of tears because they, we've just shown them that, yes, people care, your family cares. And they walk out of there beaming with pride that they've told a little story about their, their red bike being stolen and, and, or, you know, or whatever else they're going to tell. Um, so those are, the, those are the things I want to counter when people say, you know, I don't know if I can gather this story. Yes, you've got time. You've got the skills. There's a story in the storyteller. I can guarantee you that. The river will break, and they'll have lots of stories. The technical, technical aspects are easy, and yes, people care. So knowing that, then let's get in and gather those stories of those around you because you don't want those stories to disappear. So that's the second aspect of legacy that I say. Write your first. The first one is your legacy letter. Second one is gathering the stories of those who, whose stories you want to live on. And there's a third one. And you might wonder what that is. The listeners are listening. <laughs> okay. I call this create new stories. The first one is tell your story. The second one is gather the stories. This is create the stories. And this is the biggest one. Let's go back to that. Um, remember, we did the skills, uh, our, our, our values. We really assessed what our values were. I spend some time in, okay, now you know your values. You know the combustion engine of your life. You know what make, has helping you make decisions. You have other uh, signature skills. You have skills that you use at, at, at uh, work. You have talents that came when you were born. You have resources. So now you've got values and skills and talents and resources. That I talk about, about how do you combine those and what do you do to build legacies that give you the, the values we talked about earlier, about connecting to others and enhancing everyone's lives and really enjoying them for your life, not just, not just waiting till you're dead to find out what they are, but really enjoying them for the next 30 years. Um, and so I talk about how to co combine the values, the skills, the talents, and the resources to build stuff. And I've, I've got lots of stories in the book about how, how to do it from the simplest of things to yeah, an international charity, which I spoke of earlier. I'll give you a little quick little story. That, and this one has meant um, something to people. And I didn't know it. You know, frankly, I didn't know it because I was too close to it. We live on a, um, in a beautiful part of the world. And you come down to our street. You come down and you have to turn right. And you go down along. We live on a cliff overlooking the world. So it's a pretty nice place, but we come down and you have to turn right. If I didn't turn right, there was a great big, you know, those great big yellow solid concrete abutments that they put mm -hmm. out in roads and you don't want to go anywhere. There was one of those there. Then there was a, a big fence, a, a metal fence, and then a hundred yards of forest. And then there was a cliff down. Well, all of this was there. I called it, it, it was grown up with weeds and all kinds of naughty stuff. And it looked awful. I called the um, city and said, hey, do you, you guys um, think about putting some flowers in here or making this, cleaning this up? And they said, nope, sorry, don't have the budget. So I got a little mad and I threw a couple of gardening things in my little car and drove down there and I started to clean it up. Well, in about three minutes, there was about 18 neighbors there. Holy smokes, these are people down from the other end of the street. This, the end of the street I'm not on, we don't live on. So I didn't know any of them. Mm. So what about, the, remember I talked about connection? Bingo, connection happened. We then all cleaned up this little area, this little corner. The concrete abutment had to stay, but we cleaned up all the junk around it and against the fence. I said, okay, guys, 20 bucks each. Let's get this thing looking good. Everybody gave me money. I went down, bought a whole bunch of stuff, some perennials and annuals. And this happened four years ago. And every year now, everybody pitches in money and I put the garden in. And it looks great all summer. When you come to the corner, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have a smile on their face because they remember what the heck it looked like, you know, before we started this process. And I get a kick out of it because I have met now all the people down that end of the street, some fascinating people with great stories. And so we, of course, we're on the summer evenings, we're sitting on each other's decks, having a barbecue and a glass of wine. So the connection happened. Everybody, it's enhancing everybody's life. And, um, and I said to them, if, if I get hit by that herd of water buffalo, would you people please continue this garden? And they said, of course we will. It'll be called the Legacy Garden. And, um, and other people from around our, our, our part of the world are coming by and look at it. And I don't know how many of them are taking it on and doing it in their neighborhood. Now, the reason, this is the third part. Remember I talked about um, knowing what your values and skills and talents are. My, value, my skills there were just simply as a gardener. 
I put myself through 100 years of university with my own little gardening company, so I kind of know what grows and what doesn't. So my skill was just a gardener. And my one little skill provided this, got this legacy going, which is a, a pretty little garden, and it, it connected people. So when you start, and I start going through and, and asking people what, um, when you start combining other skills and talents and resources, there's amazing things you can do. I ran across all kinds of folks who, who had um, skills and talents that didn't know how to use them and say, well, how about this? And then all of a sudden they're using them and they're, they're meeting new people and benefiting others' lives where they just never thought that was possible. So it was just a little bit of imagination and an assessment of your own, of, of your own, um, say skills and talents and values and, and all this stuff can happen. When we began, uh, I'll tell you, when we began uh, a charity called the Make-A-Wish Foundation, there was one wish that was done in, in Phoenix. The little fellow named Chris Gracious wanted to be a policeman. We saw the TV report of that wish. And the next day, I quickly I called CBS and got, got down to the, the women who had done the wish in Phoenix. And I just said, do you mind if we use the phrase make a wish up here? And they said, no, go ahead. That's as legal as it got. So what skill did we throw at this? Another fellow who was involved with me, what skill did we throw at this? We threw at it mm, telling the story, I guess you could call it. Because if we told the story of children who wanted, who, were, who, were, who had a... Um, weren't doing well and who, who, who had, a, had a disease that may end their life early and they wanted to do a wish. Once we told that story, things... So we, we became storytellers of the cause. That was the skill we threw at it. We had no idea what was going to happen. We'll now make wishes in 40 countries. And um, I've been proud to be involved for... I'm not involved anymore, but for 25 years I was. But we never... The legacy there for all of us, tons of great people, Mm. is that um, families' lives have totally changed when a child got a wish. We didn't know that, though. We just applied a skill called marketing or storytelling, and that became something that we never thought. So oftentimes... Well, congratulations on that, and oddly enough, well, not oddly, interesting enough, one of my friend's sons had that situation, and uh, to the positive side, he was, over to, he was able to overcome his disease after 10 years of medical intervention. Great. So, and that's, I mean, that is a story that they continue to tell as friends. So knowing it or not, Rob, that legacy carried into my space and the friends yeah. that we have. Now, we only have a couple of minutes left in the show, Rob. So what would be, uh, you know, before we get into your final, final statements, uh, how can people find out about your work, your book? Uh, what, What's the contact information for people to get a hold of you and to find out more about creating a legacy? Sure. Well, I, the, the site for the book and the work that my company does for people is that called createmylegacy.com, createmylegacy.com. And we just launched um, a few weeks ago a new podcast called thelegacycafe.org, legacycafe.org. And what that is, I... Because of my background as a journalist and a radio guy, I had met a lot of interesting folks in the, in the journey of, of getting this book done, and I didn't want to just say goodbye to them forever. So we've, inv- we've um, brought up this uh, uh, podcast called LegacyCafe.org, and we're just now starting to... We've got five interviews up there now, with their, and it, 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 LegacyCafe.org is about anything and everything legacy. It's about... It's about story, it's about money, it's about purpose, it's about values, it's about um, what do you, from simple things like what do you do with that, those five boxes of pictures that you don't know what the heck to do with, to all, all the way to how do I begin a charity, to um, um, the technology of, of gathering stories. Everything and anything legacy is what we're talking about there. So those two sites, createmylegacy.com and legacycafe.org, and people will have a, a good idea, and we'd... Um, I'd, I'd really love the cafe to be uh, the hub of legacy talk in North mm-hmm. America, and there isn't one, so we're going to work very hard in um, helping people out and understanding and being enthused and um, being the catalyst for their brains to say, hey, I can do some stuff. Well, you're expanding the legacy, so thank you for that. So, Rob, is you, if you were to capsulize and just give sort of a last bit of encouragement to the listeners today, what would that 
piece of wisdom be? <laughs> now I'm having to be wise. Oh, Ken, you're making this hard. I, I, I just think a little bit of learning goes a long way. There's a, I remember Oliver Wendell Holmes. He was a, an American physician and he was a poet. And he said what I really believe is that he said something like people, people die with their music still in them. And why is that happened? And too often it's because we're, we're getting ready to live. And, and before you know it, the time is gone. So it's, a, uh, it's up to all of us, I think, to play the music that's in us. And there's more music in us than we would ever believe. And I, I meant the metaphor of music is, of course, creating legacies from simple, from your legacy letter to international charities that you have all the skills and talents and signature strengths to do. So don't, don't let the music die. Um, don't let the music not be played that's in you um, because um, we're, we're getting ready to live. I'll get to it later. Start it now, whatever the age, and um, you'll have a, a symphony playing by the time you're a little bit older and you'll be able to enjoy that, the music of your own legacies. Well, Rob, uh, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your legacy. Thank you for your insights and doing the work and stepping up and actually spending seven years to bring all of this into your book. Well, you're welcome. I hope people enjoy it if they read it, and I know they will. And uh, I, uh, great to chat with you, Ken. Good questions, and uh, I enjoyed uh, telling my bit of this. Okay, well, thanks, Rob. Well, everybody listening, you've been listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. As always, just we encourage you, if you like what we're doing, that you would pass it on, that you would share it with others, you would, uh, again, expand what we're doing here as far as our purpose to help other people live on purpose. Thank you again for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Key. Now, if you want to take what was covered in this interview to the next level, here's my encouragement. You know, Rob has his book on legacy. In CRG, we also have my book, The Quest for Purpose. And Quest is really about being intentional. And so what I talk about in Quest is I give you a roadmap of all the things that you need to be able to identify what are those gifts, what are those talents, what are those directions, your story, your um, history of your life has left you clues about where you should be going, as well as this uh, sort of vision for the future. Where do you want to go? What do you want to be remembered by? Life does not happen by accident. Maybe it does. But if it's by accident, then there's no intentionality and the impact is decreased. So my encouragement is, is that you would invest in yourself. Get my book, The Quest for Purpose. Think about some of the other assessments, like we have our values assessment or self-worth or personal style or wellness, and then you will be ready. Uh, you will be benchmarked. You will have been taking the steps to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.